as believers who have been entrusted with the good news of the gospel. We have been called to partake in inviting everyone into the good news of the kingdom promised through the work of Jesus the Messiah. And my friends, it's all organic, like planting a seed. This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. With me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Today, we're starting a new series on the parables. Chris will fill you in in a moment, but before we get started, I want to share with you a new book, The Sign of His Coming by beloved author, Dr. Reynolds Showers. In his book, Dr. Showers explains what Christ told his disciples regarding the future and why the world is moving in the direction that it is today. As Steve mentioned, we're beginning a series on the parables of Jesus. You know, Jesus would oftentimes wrap truth about God's kingdom in stories. So today we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 to listen to the parable of the mustard seed, where Jesus shares the encouraging story of the humble beginnings of the kingdom in order to keep us focused on what the fullness of the kingdom will look like at his return. And then we're going to explain why Jesus chose to speak in parables to his disciples. And then after that, apples of gold. But first, the news. At the end of April, a delegation of 25 American officials traveled to Israel to prepare for President Trump's visit to Israel scheduled in late May or early June. Even though his trip hasn't been officially mentioned, this will mark President Trump's first ever visit to Israel. Israel's Deputy Foreign Minister Zippy Hotavelli said to the Army Radio, there's a feeling that we have a real friend in the White House. President Trump has already made it clear that he is a true friend to the state of Israel and he's working to continue to strengthen our diplomatic ties between our two democratic countries. You know, a visit to Israel will also enlighten President Trump to their strategic placement in the hostile region of the Middle East. Stories are some of the most effective ways to communicate truth. And Jesus used the power of good storytelling to teach his disciples truth and concepts about the kingdom of God. Remember, it was difficult for his disciples to understand the kingdom of God. Jesus was teaching them to see the kingdom differently than the way that they were taught growing up in the synagogue. And it was hard for them to wrap their minds around Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. So Jesus would teach them in parables. You know, parables in Greek, the actual literal meaning means throwing alongside. Jesus' stories were thrown alongside, essentially, to strengthen the true meaning of what he was trying to convey. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at three different parables Jesus taught to his disciples. The first one today is the parable of the mustard seed. Remember, Jesus was just rejected by the leadership of Israel in Matthew chapter 12. So this section in Matthew chapter 13 that we're going to be looking at, Jesus begins to share his ministry and his new direction in a different way. The disciples grew up, remember this, learning in a synagogue that when the Messiah comes, his kingdom will come with force. The Messiah will upend the Roman Empire. He will liberate the Jewish people and establish Israel as number one. 
So after Jesus was rejected, he begins to share with them parables looking at the kingdom from a different angle, from a different way. And one of them being here, the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Here Jesus compares a tiny mustard seed, a seed that was commonly used in the agricultural society of the first century to represent the kingdom of God. This was so contrary to how the disciples pictured the kingdom. I'm positive the disciples thought Jesus was going to roll into Jerusalem and say, I'm the king, and all the Jewish people and the religious leadership would follow Jesus, and then all of Israel's enemies would relent and bow down before him as he ushered in the kingdom. And now Jesus is saying to his disciples, do you see this tiny little mustard seed in the palm of my hand? That's the kingdom of God. But that man, as it says in the parable, took that mustard seed and put it in the ground and it grew. And as the parable says, it grew into one of the largest plants in the garden, large enough for even the birds to come and nest in the branches. The man in the parable is Jesus. He's the one bending down and planting the almost unnoticeable seed of the kingdom. And how how true is this parable? I mean, sometimes the grandeur of the Bible can skew our understanding of the times. Remember, Jesus and the kingdom he was offering was barely a blip on the global radar at that time. Nobody was writing about him in the Roman newspapers of the day. Jesus was a Jewish man in the backwater town of the Roman Empire. Nobody outside of Judea and areas of Galilee knew or even cared about Jesus or what he was saying. The imagery of the mustard seed parable is so powerful. Jesus is using a true-to-life story for his disciples to say, because I've been rejected by my very own people, the kingdom is going to be planted and will grow and flourish. And disciples, you're on the small end of the kingdom. It's like this little seed. And I'm sure for believers, think about this, living just shortly after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ— who were facing persecution for being labeled as a Christian. They held this parable in high regard and probably held it close to their hearts, knowing that Christ had just planted the tiny seed of the kingdom, but that this tiny thing would become a global kingdom when Jesus will reign and rule as king in Jerusalem. This parable is actually connected to passages in the Old Testament that have A similar reference, Jesus is trying to communicate to the listener what the realization of the parable will look like. Now, notice how Jesus mentions that the birds of the air will one day nest in the branches of the tree that was once a tiny little seed. That allusion goes backwards. It goes back to the Old Testament in passages like Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 22 through 24, which sounds like this. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord God. I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. 
I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs and a tender one, and I myself will plant it on the high and lofty mountain. That's Jerusalem. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it, listen to this, under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. All of the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord, and I bring low the high tree, and I make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. Ezekiel in this passage in Ezekiel chapter 17 is envisioning the future restoration of the Davidic kingdom. And if you notice, like Jesus' parable, Ezekiel sees a large tree, a cedar tree here, where birds of every kind will dwell and take shade. That's prophetic imagery alluding to Israel protecting all the nations. And if you notice, Jesus uses that exact same imagery, communicated it in his parable to show the full growth of the kingdom of heaven with just the little mustard seed. When God's kingdom will see its realization on earth at the return of Christ, all the nations, this is the big picture, all of the nations will find a place of residence and protection in the coming kingdom. You know, this parable challenged me in a different way, though. You know, when I was listening to how Jesus illustrates the growth of the kingdom, it struck me that it was through the simple and organic act of planting a tree, of planting a seed. You know, I think ministry is connected to this passage. Ministry that we all do. You know, ministry that we do on a daily basis. Jesus said the kingdom is like the planting of the mustard seed. And then all of a sudden we look just a few verses later and it's a full-size tree. But notice he neglected to mention the growth. The growth is just assumed. And the growth are people like you and me accepting the good news of the kingdom. That by believing in the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, that one day we, like those birds in, in, in the parable, will be under the protective watch and the, and, the, and the provision of the branches, which are the kingdom of God. And what struck me was this, the organic growth in ministry. You know, sometimes I want to just institutionalize ministry and turn it into an organizational structure with modern business principles. And through that, the advancement of the gospel go out, will go out. But that's not what happens. The, the gospel, the advancement of the gospel, the sharing of the gospel is not that calculated. It's organic like a seed that grows in the ground. You can't calculate the days when it will rain or when the sun will come out or the, or the durability of the soil. The rooting and the growing of the seed is completely an act of God's work. As believers who have been entrusted with the good news of the gospel, we have been called to partake in inviting everyone into the good news 
of the kingdom promise through the work of Jesus, the Messiah. And my friends, it's all organic, like planting a seed. Every circumstance is different, but the message stays exactly the same. And I think what I'm really trying to say is this, because God's working is so organic, it's our job to take every opportunity that we get through word and deed to plant those seeds. It's, it's not your job to grow them. That's the beauty of it. That's God's job. Diligently plant, my friends, and let God do the growing. And let's pray as this parable envisions for us. Let's pray for that glorious day when we will all dwell safely in the caring protection of God's kingdom with Jesus who planted that original seed ruling as our loving king. In Matthew 24, 3, it says, As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming, and at the end of the age? Jesus' disciples were eager, as we are today, to know the timing of his return as king. In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus delivered the well-known Olivet Discourse to help ease the fear that this world may never know true peace. Theologian Dr. Reynolds Showers dives deep into these prophetic passages and gives clarity to this often misunderstood topic. Get your copy of The Sign of His Coming for only $10 plus shipping and handling at foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888-343-6940. Once again, that's foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888-343-6940. Give it to me straight, Doc. You know, that's what you say when you're at the doctors and you're waiting to hear really important information about your health. Because this is vital information and you don't want the doctor to waste his time dancing around the truth. Just tell me what it is. Give it to me straight. Well, I'm sure the disciples wanted to say the same exact thing to Jesus when he was preaching and teaching about the kingdom. I could just hear the disciples saying to Jesus, give it to us straight, Jesus. What's the kingdom going to look like? And Jesus was more into teaching the disciples through parables. He would, he would communicate through true-to-life stories what the kingdom will be like, who will be in the kingdom, and how to anticipate the kingdom. We just heard the parable of the mustard seed, the, the growth of the kingdom promise and, and who will dwell safely in the kingdom. It's a great reminder and, and, and a hope that we have wrapped up in that story. But why didn't Jesus just shoot straight with his disciples and just give them the answer to the questions they had? Well, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different reasons why Jesus spoke in parables when it came to explaining the truth about the kingdom. It's no secret that there were religious leaders in the Jewish community who didn't like Jesus. You pick that up over and over again in the Gospels. 
They were not on board with Jesus's miraculous works. They were always looking for another sign from Jesus, and they certainly didn't like people gravitating to his message or his mission. The Pharisees and Sadducees would often attempt to trick Jesus, to make him stumble or to get him to contradict himself. Just listen to what Luke chapter 11 verses 53 and 54 says. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Did you notice? Did you hear that? They wanted to catch Jesus saying something so that they could use it against him. And that's one of the reasons Jesus spoke in parables. He didn't want to give the Pharisees or Sadducees or the scribes any of his enemies or critics, any ammo to use against him. As one writer put it so well, parables are meant to evoke, not provoke, but evoke. A parable is designed to draw the listener into a story, and from that story, truths about the kingdom were communicated, evoking the listener to process what Jesus said, and really only a person who is truly listening and truly interested in what Jesus is saying would be able to grasp the truth embedded in the parable. If Jesus were to speak plainly about the kingdom, it would have provoked his enemies to twist his words in ways that would have not helped advance his message to the Jewish people. For instance, when Jesus was talking about planting the mustard seed, notice he didn't connect himself as the one who planted the seed. It's just a man who plants the seed. But it's up to us and as, as the reader to process what Jesus was saying and to understand that he's the man pictured there in the story, planting that seed. So as the religious leadership would have been listening so intently to Jesus, as Luke 11 says, to catch him in something he might say, the parable veils the truth to those who don't have the spiritual capacity to understand it. So as you can see, one of our first primary reasons for parables was to veil the truth from Jesus's enemies who were really looking for any way to crack Jesus or to find a weakness in Jesus's teaching or words. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. We have lived in this neighborhood in Jerusalem for more than 35 years. I know most of my neighbors, and they know me. I try to help them in many ways, like making free repairs to their homes. Recently, an ultra-Orthodox family moved in. One day they came to me. Can you do us a favor? the man asked. This will be a great mitzvah for you. Mitzvah means good deed. What can I do for you? I replied. Our electricity is not working. 
Can you help us? So I went to help. And while I was there, they spoke with me about what I believe and what the rabbis believe. I'd be happy to give you some of our holy books so you can read what our rabbis say, the man said. I replied, You are a good man, but I do not read such books. I read only the Holy Bible. I will not spend time reading fictional stories written by men who claim to be holy. Only one person is holy, and he is Almighty God. This family listened carefully. Then someone said, Can you show us where the Bible talks about this man? The Orthodox will not say the name Jesus. I told them it will be my great joy to show you what the Bible says. So I opened my Bible to Isaiah 53, a chapter the ultra-Orthodox do not read because it is so clearly written about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When I opened the chapter, they were surprised. We have never read this. It is important to know what is written in God's word, I said. Yet many will not read this or teach it. This time I gave them a Bible so that they could read Isaiah 53 for themselves. There it is written, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Afterward one asked, About whom is this written? And like many before him, he asked, Why have we never read this before? Please read what is written in Deuteronomy 6.13. And so they read, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Let the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Do not follow the people around you, I cautioned. Follow only the Lord and what is written in the Bible. That way you will know the truth and not be led down the path of darkness. But this one whom you believe, one replied, he is only for Christians. He's for everyone. He was wounded for all of us, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible does not say he was wounded only for Gentiles or only for Jews. He is for everyone who receives him as personal Savior. We had a long conversation. Please pray it will someday bear much fruit.
Check out foiradio.org to purchase Dr. Reynolds Shower's book, The Sign of His Coming, for only $10 plus shipping and handling. Next week, Chris continues his series on the parables of Jesus. We turn to Matthew chapter 18 and look at the parable of the unforgiving servant. A quick reminder, you can receive Israel My Glory magazine at no cost for a full year. Visit foiradio.org to learn more. That's foiradio.org. You can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 